When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. All right, everybody, here we go. This is Making It Rain, episode two. I am Randon McMahon, a.k.a. Rando Commando 24. And as always, my esteemed colleague, Joe Padrino. What's going on, my man? Rando, it's always a pleasure catching up with you, man. How's things? How was the week? Week's doing good, continuing with the old uh, no boozing and working out a lot. So down a total of 15. Nice. You know, start, starting to see some muscles I haven't seen in a while. <laughs> there we go. And uh, doing that kind of thing. And then uh, football starting back up. So, you know, obviously <clears throat> doing the drafts for fantasy football leagues and trying to get all that orchestrated. How are you doing? Awesome. Awesome. Busy time here with the fam. We got a move going on. So it's pretty crazy. But, you know, hey, that's such is life, right? Yeah, new beginnings, right? New beginnings for uh, for you guys. And then we've got a new season coming up, too. And so kind of coincides, right? Absolutely. 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 <laughs> well done. So we're, uh, you know, we called it, we started calling this podcast, making it rain. So that'll be the official title of this podcast. And uh, just like the title implies, we are dropping hundreds of knowledge here all over the dance floor. Uh, first off, we got the rookie tournament going. Uh, that's been announced uh, Friday, September 17th is the first game. Uh, tickets you can get for $10 in Arizona. It will be in Arizona. So if you're in LA and you want to drive out there, all the top prospects are going to be there. You're going to see Byfield. You're going to see Clark, Turcott, Kupari. A lot of the number one picks um, going to be there, you know, showing out and everything like that. So if you want to get your first check at them this year for a pretty cheap price and a nice little road trip with some buds, that might not be a bad idea. Sounds awesome to me. I wish I could make it. 
Well, because you can't make it, Arizona said they're going to be streaming. Right. So now I so, can. So now, now you can. can. You can feel it, be there in spirit. So <laughs> I think we'll have uh, one of our guys there. I think Russell's going to be there for a couple of days and have some updates there. So you fans yeah. will not be missing out on the content uh, going on down there. So do not fret. Uh, but uh, today's podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit about the exits, uh, the new people coming in. Uh, so, you know, we had a couple people leave or quite a few leave. Uh, out of the forward group, I'll just name them off real quick. We had Blake Byron, Mikey Asamat, Nick Holleran, Boko Amama, Drake Reichma, uh, Devontae Smith-Pelly. Uh, defense, we had Mark Alt, Daniel Brinkley, Cameron Gantz, Cole Holtz, Jack uh, Sadiq, and Troy Gro- uh, Grossneck. So quite a few guys leaving, and we got a lot of guys coming in, whether it be from our own camp, signing. So I'll go over those names real quick. Braden Burke, uh, Garrett Sparks, uh, TJ Tynan, Brent Kemp, Nikita Pavlichev. John uh, Lethaman. Uh, you also have Lucas Parikh, Jordan Spence, and second-round pick Helgi Granz. So quite a lot of names there. If you missed any of those things, just kind of do back in slow motion. You know, play the tape at, at half speed and get all those names lodged quite in your head. Overhaul. because Yeah, because it's quite the, quite the overhaul there, you know. The top lines, we'll get into those. We'll kind of look the same, but we're going to have a lot of depth that's going to be different. Out of all the players who left, uh, Joe, which one kind of was like uh, kind of like a little dagger to your heart or you think did not get a fair shake in the King system? You know, I don't know if this player necessarily didn't get a fair shake, but you mentioned the dagger in the heart. I think it's a good one. Boko Amama was a fun player to watch. He played a style that, you know, maybe not necessarily was, was my style as a player. He was a bit on the more physical side. He was a fan favorite. They, they seemed to love him. Um, and it seemed like he was kind of establishing himself as a bit of a, a, again, fan favorite and somebody that could be a great locker room presence and be in the organization for a little while and establish himself there. But uh, obviously, they, you know, they made the trade. We, we talked about there's so many, so many players, there's so many uh, ins and outs right now that uh, with the contracts that, as it turned out, they had to make a move. So uh, it was, I was a little surprised, I'll say that, just because it would have been nice to continue to watch him growing in Ontario. I don't know what the future holds for him in terms of, you know, his NHL prospects, but he was a fun player to kind of get to know as a fan, you know, from the outside watching with the rain. Yeah. You know, you mentioned it, uh, you know, as a, a fan favorite and like, you know, we were talking about this a little bit and actually we were going to talk about it on air. So you look at, you brought it up, like what kind of players do fans gravitate to? And, you know, I kind of think of him kind of like a Kyle Clifford, not afraid to mix it up has a yeah. little bit of an offensive skill, you know, is good on those third and fourth lines. And like Kyle Clifford was a fan favorite. but obviously he won cups for us and Poco right. didn't do that for the rain, but just kind of similar player there. Like what kind of players do you normally gravitate towards? So I would, I think it really changed for me. I think when I was younger, uh, it was like the just high skill Paul Korea type players. But when I saw, and I can remember it like it was yesterday, Andre Kopitar's first game and the size and his skating and how he could dominate the play with his size and his body positioning and the way he protects the puck guys like that. It was, it's so fun to watch guys like uh, Barkov over in Florida. Jonathan Huberto is another big body player. It's, it's Jordan Greenway, not as offensively gifted as some of these guys, but another big body that protects the puck. Well, Nino Niederreiter's a good-sized guy, plays that type of style. Then you look at the likes of some some bigger names like Gaslaff and Thornton. It's just these big bodies, especially the centermen's, I have found myself 
really becoming a big fan of over the last, I don't know, probably 10 years or so. Um, so it's kind of nice to see uh, Quentin Byfield in the, in the system. I can definitely see him being a, a favorite of mine as we go forward. Yeah, donning a 55 jersey in your future. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, those kind of players, you know, obviously the skill is really nice and everything like that. And then, you know, so you have the fans that gravitate towards the scrappy guys. And, you know, I think, like you said, you don't know what the future holds. Both him and uh, the guy that I was kind of sad to see, Cole Holtz, both got traded to Arizona. Uh, Arizona, yeah, yeah, Arizona's uh, pipeline is a little depleted. Uh, They are in a situation of flux. Obviously, the the place that they're playing in right now terminated their lease after this season. So they're either need to find a new arena in the Arizona uh, area. They are moving out. So, you know, all that's in flux. I think with the fact that they forfeited so many draft picks, their, their system isn't really that deep, uh, you know, overall. And I think Boko Mama could scrape together be a scratch player or maybe a fourth line guy on that team, use his strengths of being a scrappy guy, a guy that stands up for his teammates. Uh, yep. And then also he can help the road runners out uh, if need be. So kind of have that dual, uh, aspect, but I think there's way more, t- uh, way more of a percentage chance that he could, you know, crack the, the, the Arizona lineup for a cup of tea where I don't think in the Kings organization, he would have had a chance. Agree with that. So, you know, in that trade, like I mentioned, Cole Holtz, uh, we mentioned him in the last one and, and why he was such a disappointment for me is just how much prowess he showed. And on the left side D we have a, so many stacked, prospects on the right side having him be on the left side showing some prowess and some offensive and some defensive prowess both in college uh he was a, a point per game player in his senior in his last year won a big 10 player of the year defenseman of the year you know like had all those accolades coming in and really didn't get settled in so i thought maybe in the second season coming in you know we're going to have a lot of guys that are not waiver exempt they're going to have to go through waivers if somebody were to have to get taken up, he could get some serious playing time and maybe make the most of that. Kind of, He kind of reminds me of a guy that uh, that could possibly do what Mikey Anderson did, which was make most of his his time or his opportunity. And with the limited amount of time, COVID year, having a full off season to kind of get, get going underneath his feet, I thought he could have made a bigger impact next season. And so um, he could definitely do that with Arizona. Like I said, their prospect pool is a little bit thinner than ours. Maybe not enough people standing in their way left shot D with both offensive and defensive skill. He's decently sized. You know, it might be something that he could get some, a better opportunity in that organization. I think it's, and I, you alluded to it with a mom. I think it's a, it's a better opportunity for both of those guys. And, you know, I, I'd be curious to see how the year plays out for them um, because I think, you know, to your point, I think, I do think it's a better opportunity for them. And I'm going to throw one more quick one at you that he, he has gone as a UFA is Daniel Brickley. I, you know, I remember when they signed him out of college as an undrafted player, and maybe it was just I was maybe naive at the time or whatever. But I really I was I was excited about him, and I think maybe part of me gets a little too excited sometimes of these these college uh, signees. And uh, you know, he obviously didn't pan out, but he was somebody that I was interested to see how he would develop, and uh, you know, it just didn't work out. And his time has has come to an end with the organization. Yeah, you know, I think we also got a little bit of uh, like recency bias with that. Like we had a lot of those college signees work right away uh, at any at any sort of frequency. You know, like you have Break Lazat. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have uh, uh, what is it? I follow right. We I signed off out of one. college, so like we had a couple guys like make it right away, and then and Cal Peterson, and so like you have like 
these guys. Now Cal's going to be our number one starter. Ifall has been playing on the first line. Lazat's shown reliability in the third and fourth line. And then you're like, okay, like you get those recency bias and Brinkley just couldn't seem to push, yep. Yep. you know? So it's un- it's unfortunate. I don't know. Let's see. I think I looked it up if he signed somewhere. He's still a UFA at the, as of this recording. So, you know, those are the guys that are going out. Mm-hmm. Out of the guys coming in, lots of potential. You could go with this. Where, uh, who are you most excited about? So I'm going to just throw a quick shout out to Nikita Pavlichev because he's nicknamed the baby giraffe. Uh, so I'm fired up about that. I don't know that he's going to get a shot with Ontario, but at six, seven, wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind seeing that. That would be fun yeah. to watch. But um, TJ Tynan is a player and he'll, he's a guy that I talked about before and he's not necessarily a prospect. He's an old, he's, in high, he's a high 20s, uh, 28, 29 year old forward, but he's coming off an MVP season in the AHL. And what interests me about him is I think he's a, he's that veteran AHLer on a team loaded with very young and inexperienced. We talked about last time, one of the youngest teams in the American Hockey League. And now you bring a guy like this in, who's been obviously around the AHL for a bit, got his cup of coffee with uh, the abs last year. um, Or two years ago, excuse me. And I think he's a guy that can help in a number of ways, let alone the talent on the ice. But again, he's been around the road. And I, I think adding a guy like that to a group of youngsters, at first, I was a little off guard. You've got a team with so many centers. You've got a team with so many prospects. And you're adding not just a, a veteran presence, but you're adding a veteran center. Um, but Who's that's an MVP. I, exactly. Exactly. And I think he can I think he can do a lot of things for – for uh, for the Ontario Reign and their young players. Um, and the other one I'll throw at you is, is Brett Kemp. He's been a point-of-game player, more than a point-of-game player um, in the Western Hockey League for for a while now. And he's somebody that he's, – he's younger, he's 21 years old, so I want to see how – if he gets a shot and if he cracks the lineup in Ontario, where he slots in, and uh, is he somebody that can start to push his way up a lineup? Yeah, played for in the WHL uh, for Medicine Hat. Yeah. Uh, you know, and – it's going to be interesting to see his development too. Cause like we talked about it with everybody, all the, all the hockey leagues besides the Q started late. Um, you know, the OHL didn't start at all. So like, where is the development of some of these guys that didn't get to yeah. go play in Europe? So it's, it's going to be interesting to see there and, and what we got going on. And I like those picks, you know, Tynan's going to be an interesting one. And I, in healthy competition, you know, that old saying, iron, you know, iron sharpens iron is it's going to be good competition. And like when you have, a guy like Sutter who's been on the team for a long time, like, you yep. know, he's there just to help out. Right. And, you know, he can score and do his things, but he played primarily on the fourth line last year where Tynan is a dynamic player and he can push some of these other prospects offensively in the way that I don't think Sutter has been asked to do. So agreed. And you know, what I wonder, I wonder if you're a, you're a, you're one of these prospects, all you keep hearing about, if you're, I don't pick one of them, Madden, Kapari, Turcotte, you pick one of them, especially the centers, and you see them go bring in Tynan, and you got to. I wonder if part of him is like, you know, what the hell? He's another centerman. That's my spot. So to your point, I wonder if that really does say, you know, that we roll up our sleeves a little bit more and 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 make sure that you're getting noticed and you're winning out on any sort of position battles. You're looking. I, th- I think you're 100 correct because if you look at if we bring out a crystal ball here and we you know we try to try to uh, talk to the spirits beyond and see what's the future for us like it's going to be competition for the next 
half decade. So, you know, like not all the guys drafting the first round are going to play center. Not all the guys are going to play center at all. They're going to move to wing. Not everybody's going to be a top six guy. They're going to have to develop skills that are going to allow them to play in the bottom six. So are you going to relish the challenge to beat out this veteran and score more points than him, uh, you know, at center? Or are you going to do kind of what Trevor Moore has said he's had to do is develop skills to crack minutes in the NHL and then allow your offensive ability to catch up once you're getting minutes, you know, though all those guys like that we've mentioned over and over again, most likely are going to have to start at wing in the next level and move into, into playing center. Barring a trade. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and, and we've talked about it before that some of these bodies are going to have to get moved out at some point, especially if the Kings have serious aspirations at making a run somewhere. Uh, the time will come to, to, to cash in on some of these assets uh, while you can. Um, but to your, yes, I mean, for a bit here, it's going to be who's going to win out these battles and what positions are going to be. Well, I think, I think you're hundred percent correct there. And my two guys that I, that I am enjoying to come in are going to have plenty of battles ahead of them. Cause that right side of the D and the organization is going to be log jammed. My man, it's going to be the four Oh five at six o'clock. And, uh, that's an LA joke for you there. You're in New York, <laughs> but uh, it, you know, so you're looking at a guy coming over from Sweden and Helgi Granz and played in the SHL for, uh, for Malmo. And um, you know, I've listened to uh, Sixten Funquist in a couple of interviews and, and a couple of, uh, of other scouts say that he is like Rasmus Dahlin light. Like if he hits his peak, that's kind of like the player that you have. He's a really good skater um you know has the offensive ability and he's been playing you know been playing the powerpoint or powerpoint power play up in the sh level at at 18 and so here's uh from the athletic here's like a little scouting report for people who don't really know who he is the idea of Granz is still way more interesting than the reality of him but he's six foot three he's an 18 year old this is when he was getting drafted right shot defenseman with such legitimate skill and potential that he's so darn exciting his raw tools are really impressive he's a mobile skater he already looks comfortable with the puck on Malmo's power play at 18. He has great hands for his size. He's superb passer on the outlets and through offensive zone lanes. And he's got impressive confidence with the puck uh, on his stick. He plays aggressive and he's willing to take risks to make things happen. There's still a rawness to his uh, even strength play. And he can look a little stilted on his pivots. But with refining his skills with some time, Grants has the potential to be a top four defenseman with significant two-way value in the future. Like that's, that's a gloating, a gloating review from Scott Wheeler of the athletic. And that, that's exciting, exciting. So you have Brant Clark, you have Brock Faber, you have Helgi Granz, you already have Walker and Roy signed to a couple of year deals. Dowdy is going to be there for the foreseeable future. And I, you know, I don't know when these guys crack the lineup and maybe we see Dowdy on the second line by that time, who knows, mm -hmm. but that's got to be exciting for you. Like all those intangible, you know, buzzwords. Like, what do you think about that? So you, uh, the, the passing and the, and the vision and the first pass that he mentioned is, is I love hearing that. Cause I talked about it last time, if you can make that first pass out, that's such a big thing in, in transition and starting the offense. Cause I think what people don't realize is so often your offense starts from the back end. And if you have puck moving defensemen, I think people think so much of guys that are just, they, they have to wheel up and down the ice. And that's not necessarily the case. If you can move the puck and begin the breakout and begin the transition, that's massive. And what you described there, and, and 
Like I see Rasmus Dahlin all the time. Okay. I'm out in Western New York and the Sabres fans, I think are a little weary. He's a first overall pick and it's been a slow burn here for a bit, but trust me, this kid is the real deal. And if Grimes is anything like that, the Kings have a gem. Um, there's no question about it. Darlene is very smooth skating. And when given the ability to take the reins off, which they're, you know, they got rid of Kruger last year, in came Granado. Darlene was a different player. So with the right coaching, you can unlock this all sorts of potential that a player like that has. So to hear those words and even him mentioned in the same sentence as Darlene, Kings fans have to be extremely excited about that. Yeah. So, you know, he, they, he barely missed out on the U20s last year. He was actually the last person cut off the Swedish team. Uh, but if you look at that roster, you had four first round picks on the defensive core. So definitely a stack. I mean, Bjornfit was there. Uh, you had Soderstrom was there. Soderstrom, yeah. So uh, Bjor- uh, Broberg. So you had a lot of guys there to, for him to compete with. And so I don't blame him. He should be on the U20s this year uh, if, uh, if the rain let him go. So, um, or he is 20 this year. So maybe he will not be. I, I forget what his birthday is, so that might be something to check up on. But the other guy is Jordan Spence, who did play in the U-20s. Um, that Canadian team was stacked. You're talking about a three-by-three three burger. Like, that team was stacked. Everybody was a first-round pick besides two players, and one of them was Jordan Spence, drafted in the fourth round. So just to be even on that team with all the first-round picks is ridiculous. I mean, I think Byfield played third, fourth line, and he's the number one prospect according to the Athletic this year. So just crazy amount of talent on that team. The only game that he really played in, in the primary time, he scored a goal and he only played eight minutes. And the goal was a nice one. He found the open spot on the ice in the slot where normally you see a lot of forwards go, but he moved up. His partner moved back to cover the point and he had a wide open shot, buried it bar down. And like, that's another offensive guy that you have. And I think all we've heard, all we've heard is, Oh, we need a dynamic left shot offensive defenseman. Well, why can't we have two on the right-hand side and just be locked down defenseman on the left? You know, and now you look at our right side, like, okay, yeah, obviously not all these guys can crack the lineup, but you're going to have Dowdy who's dynamic. You're going to have Brent Clark who, you know, people say that we've never had a prospect like him in our system. You have uh, have Brock Faber. He's more of a defensive guy, but he's got some offensive upside. You got Helgerans running the power play. You got Jordan Spence running the power play for Val Dior. You know, like, and you have, and he was defenseman of the year this year. All will have offensive upside. Like, it's going to be crazy on that right hand side. You didn't even mention, you know, Jersey and and Strand on the right side that are also guys that, you know, they're they're there too, and they they're we talked about earlier about trying to win spots and and make sure you don't lose your job. They're they're not going to be looking to lose anytime soon. And I think what we have to start to think about, and I hate to say it, but Andre Kopitar is mid thirties. Drew Doughty, mid thirties. These guys, it's, it's not, we don't have a lot of time left with these guys playing at the levels that they are. Okay. So you have to start to look even two years. Is Andre Kopitar the one C in two years? Is Drew Doughty first defense or, or, you know, top pair right side defenseman in two years? I think it's a fair question. These guys are going to be what, 35, 37 years old at that time. So yeah. you have to start to look a little bit ahead and, and understand that we have to start to phase, not phase out, but, you know, you're going to get to a point where the replacements have to start to coming. So if Clark is this good in two years, 
now we're talking. And to your point, if Grants can be there right there with him and some of these other guys, Faber, there's a lot of bodies here and similar to the forward log jam, but as long as the right amount of guys hit, they don't all have to hit. They're not all going to hit, but if you hit a couple, and especially if you get a guy like Clark, and they might even be hitting with something with 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 Mikey Anderson. They, they got him on the top pair. I don't know if they quite expected that that soon. So we'll see how how this year goes too. I know he's on the left side, but he's an example of a guy that maybe they didn't expect to see top pair minutes all of a sudden is playing top pair minutes. So there's always going to be those surprises too. So it's 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 a it's a fun time, but at some point here we have to start to see kind of some clarity on where things go. Yeah, it's uh, you know two points that come to my mind when when you're talking about that is is one is like I think they're already in that transition, right? Of they know that I think in the biggest the biggest uh, the biggest eye opener to that last year was Velarde's play and like he had his burst and everything like that, but being yep. less than fifty percent from the faceoff dot, uh, he looked like he just disappeared for games at a time, and you know whether that was COVID, whether that was he wasn't ready for the 2C, whether that was whatever, the fact is it happened. So yep. they brought in Deneau, they brought in El, uh, Ed, or Elder and, uh, or Edler, and now you're looking at, okay, does Kopitar have to be the first guy out over the bench on the PK? Not anymore. Does Dowdy have to do that, be the first guy all the time? every single power play on the PK, not anymore, right? We talked about it last time that Alex is probably going to be a third pairing defenseman. That's going to be the first guy over in the power play because he blocks a lot of shots. So, you know, I know that you're probably going to have to scrape Dowdy off the ice to get him to lower his minutes, but that they're doing that to preserve their legs for these guys to come up. Second is, (laughs) uh, I don't think a lot of people notice or know like the, the hit rate of a lot of these picks. And like in the first round, I've, I remember the article correctly, 37% of first rounders don't play or play over 99 games. That's a season and a quarter in the NHL, like 20% play over 200 games. Right. Yep. So as much, as much crap as a lot of people give Kempe and, and sometimes deservedly. So homeboys played over 200 games. He's better <laughs> yeah. than 80% of yeah. the people draft in the first round. So you're looking at all these prospects. Like you said, some are going to hit, some are not. It's all based off of fantasy and what they're doing right now at certain levels and the log jams are going to be there, but iron sharpens iron. You need to be pushed from the back forward. You can't be dragging people up, right. which is which I felt we've done in the last couple of seasons. Now we're going to be pushing from, from the get, right? And you saw the competition last year in the bottom six. Now that's probably going to be competition in the bottom nine and maybe even, even in even the full lineup, which is going to be what they need. Yeah. So but that's my, you know, two guys that have, Nice, you know, either draft predigarian Hans, uh, Granz, or or Spence, who has outseated his draft position, much like Mikey Anderson in the fourth round so far in his career. Lastly, just a little snippet, little uh, little uh, uh, you know, footnote at the bottom. The goalie they brought in, Sparks, has played in the NHL for two years with Toronto. Uh, played lights out for the AHL team in the Marlies. Never had a season. Uh, above a three goals against average most of the time it's low twos uh and we talked about on the last pod every single goalie that we had in the minor leagues had a goals against average over three so this guy is going to shore up the net down there at least half the time and then you're going to have uh the other guys battle for that first spot i think Velazzo will get the first crack at it because he's the incumbent but i think that'll help the team a little bit 
you know, uh, it's kind of the chicken or the egg. Is, does defense help goalie? Does goalie help the defense? I think it's a little bit of both. So I think that's kind of like a little something that's not going to get a lot of talking because it's mainly about the prospects, but mm-hmm. he's going to help them win more games. No question. And he's a good guy to have. He's got NHL experience. He's been around the block for quite a while. And to have some of the young goalies around him, it's going to help. And he's going to be the third guy for the Kings, too, if they get an injury or two. He'll yeah. be up yep. there. And he's yep. got NHL experience. So that's going to yep. be, that's going to be good there. So uh, going on to, you know, the guys that we've mentioned that are coming in, what do you see, who do you see making the most impact with a current player on the team? And how does, how does he help that current player grow? I think people are probably going to get sick of me because I've written about it. We talked about it on the last podcast. I even talked about it a little bit earlier. It's, and maybe I'm just way overblown, but it's TJ Tynan. And it, Somebody it, get it, this guy a jersey. <laughs> Jesus, criminy, TJ Tynan again. Oh, he's very good player, very good player. Keep it going. <laughs> so you look, you look last year, and he is in the 99th percentile in assists per games. He's in the 99th percentile in points per game in the NHL. There's a reason he won the MVP. So why is it that I picked this guy? He is obviously comfortable at this level. He's excelled at this level. He's won an MVP. He's been an all-star. And, I, and, and when I wrote about it, and we talked about it last week, I would love to see him play with a guy like Kupari and Fagama. That's a line I'd love to see. Now, I don't know if they're going to want to keep Kupari at center, but at the very least, Fagamo. And you're talking about a guy who we, we mentioned is very shoot first, um, has that mentality, smart, good enough skater, gets himself into positions. You put somebody like Tynan, who's excelled at the AHL level and can be a creative player for him and a playmaker, you might unlock a big season from, I'll say Fagmo Kapari, but again, depending on what they do with Kapari and his position, but Fagmo's a winger, full stop. So if you can unlock that, I'm beating this drum and I'm going to keep doing it. There's, there's, the top six wing spots in Los Angeles are begging for somebody to jump in and take it. Maybe Fagmo's a guy. And if he can, and Hey, I, it, it's, it's one of those intangible things, but you, you start getting a, on a roll a bit, you pop a couple goals early in the season and things start to flow. All of a sudden things just, things can, can click and things can happen quickly. So I can see that happening. And I think TJ Tynan has the capability and the playmaking ability to unlock a serious offensive season from the likes of Sam Fagamo. So what, what in, uh, what in TJ's game you think lends itself to, uh, to Fagamo's game? It's his pass. So his, they're both. So there's two things because Titan's not a big guy. Okay. He is a, he is, a, he is not a big guy at all. And I don't know, maybe that's part of the reason why he hasn't had a, an extended stay in the national hockey league, but he is he's got great vision and he's, he's patient with the puck. He's a really good passer. And if you're talking about a guy like Fagamo, who is shoot first, who's very shoot first, who finds himself into the soft areas in the offensive zone, and if you have a guy who's patient with the puck and is a, is a good enough playmaker with the vision to find him, that's a lethal combo. And I can almost see at times, because Rasmus Kapari I talked about maybe playing on that line too, he's extremely talented too. And I, it's almost like there's, to me, there's, there's two playmakers on that line for Fagmo. So if he ends up playing with both of those guys, there's, there's almost no excuse for him to, to not put bucks in the net, but it's the vision and the playmaking ability of Tynan 
plus the the way Fagel can get himself into soft areas on the ice and his shoot first mentality that I just like that combination. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, and let me see what you think about this. And I, I think Tynan and Kupari are both playmakers in different ways. It looks like Kupari seems like the guy that kind of has, is more of a possession style skater. He uses his creativity with his legs and then allows the, the legs to, to create mismatches and get people out of position where yep. Tynan is always, he's looking to, to pass first and get that yes. primary assist and find a guy in the open ice. And so when, when you have a guy like Kupari who's dragging defenders with him, getting them out of position, you're creating spots on the ice. And then as we say, if the puck's quicker than quicker than the feet, boom, boom, you have both guys open for one timers, guys open in the slot. That, that line seems like it lends itself to having two playmakers that have different primary skill sets and a primary shooter. Kupari skating and his edge work. I mean, you can get lost in watching highlight videos of him. He can, at times when he's on, he's a human highlight reel and it's just a blast to watch. So it's well said that they go about it in perhaps a little bit different ways. But again, another guy who's patient on the puck and very good playmaker in his own right, but he does it, he goes about it. And the way he's such a smooth skater is Kapari with his hands that I would just love to see that line. Um, I'd love to see that line put together, but it depends on obviously a lot of other things. But ultimately, in terms of a guy who can really bring the best out of some of these prospects, I think TJ Tynan's got the possibility to do that. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I, you know, you just look at the way that, um, you know, you have the, jeez, uh, um, you have a lot of the young guys there and then having, you know, in that shortened season and then you have a guy who's going to be able to come in and produce right away. And then they're going to have more time in camp to develop that chemistry. It's going to be something that's, that's pretty crazy that I think that might be understated. And, you know, I think it'll also depend. I know like a lot of hockey teams are going, you know, forwards one through three and the center really mainly only has defensive responsibility and a lot of the forwards kind of interchange. But I look at a guy that has a good shot in Samuel that maybe if they move him to left wing, so that way his open hand is to the center of the ice. So if he can cut to the center of the ice and just mm-hmm. get that shot in the slot and create a mismatch, uh, maybe move Kapari to right wing to use his skating that goes down the side you know, that would give not only Kupari a chance to play left wing, which he has, he can also play right wing and give him that opportunity to crack the lineup. Like we said, be versatile to crack the lineup for the Kings. And the last two seasons, this last point on, on Tynan too, he's played, they've played, he's played 69 games in the American Hockey League and he has 69 assists, not even just points, assists. So he's, he's an assist to game player. It's, it's, it's it's adding that to your lineup with you when you've got the talent around him, I think can be very dangerous. Yeah. And Kupar is no slouch with his shot too. He's got a pretty good wrister. So yeah, I think absolutely. that that'll be something to look at there. Uh, man, you're going all, you're on all fours. I'm going all defense. I mean, we talked about him already. I was a forward. Uh, so that could, that could, yeah. explain that. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that we talked about it last time and, and the abysmalness of the power play for the, for the rain you're bringing in two guys uh, in Granz and Spence who have power play experience. You also, uh, depending on who makes the primary roster, you have Clegg uh, down there if he passes waivers or if he's, um, you know, if obviously if he's selected by the Kings, then you'll yeah. have these other two guys there. And then you have Jersey who has offensive experience as well. So, but with the fact that they were last in the Pacific, 
near to last in the whole AHL, that needs to be corrected with the amount of offensive talent that we got. So not only will Tynan help that on the power play, but you need somebody to run the point. You need somebody to be able to have, be smooth skating, be able to have the pass first. Grons has that, Spence has that. And so you're going to, you need to win games five on five, but you need to utilize the power play. And sometimes when we played the row runners or we played the goals, you know, we would get five opportunities. We wouldn't hit on any of them and they would go two for two and we lose the game four to two. So it just kind of didn't sit with me well. And it, I think it's going to be something point of effort, um, emphasis for Robo who loves to run up the score, who loves to have the dynamic offense. Um, you know, it's, I think both those guys, if they can be useful five on five, they're going to be more than useful on the power play. Yeah, it's big, especially you're a team that had some struggles um, on the defensive side of the puck, so at, at five on five. So if you're able to put some pucks in that on the power play, that's going to really cover up some of those uh, some of those messes. And with a team as talented as they are, there shouldn't be an excuse, quote unquote, on paper, but it's not always that easy. And, um, but, and I think a lot of these guys, that we're, we talked about last year, so many first-year guys in the HL last year that um, them having a, a year under their belt or even half season, whatever, we'll count it as under their belt, uh, is only going to help them too. So hopefully hopefully that goes a long way in helping the uh, the power play out. Yeah, the special teams is going to be something to, to, to look at. And like every, like every uh, fan, we all like to play, you know, couch GM. You know, that was my favorite part of NHL is, you know, doing the rosters and drafting and everything like that. I know you've mentioned that as well. So we're going to do a little uh, episode of uh, Couch GM here and what we might think the, the lineup might look like. And the rules Joe and I have set are that, you know, we're not including players that might get sent down from the Kings. Uh, we're assuming that, you know, the players that are on the rain last year are going to be on it this year to start the season. So guys like, you know, they're going to be patient with Byfield and that kind of thing. So let's start with the first line. What do you think the first line could look like? I mean, I don't know how they can't go back to Byfield, Turcotte, Kaliev as a first line. I don't, I don't know why they just don't, you know, hire us as assistant coaches because that's, exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what I had. So I really like that line. So, and we, how we talked about the strengths of your hypothetical, which I'm, what I'm guessing is going to be your second line in the first line, right? You have that power forward in Byfield who is, uh, is that Corsi man. He takes the, the puck along the ice, you're going to have an X center who does it a different way with the possession numbers in Turcotte on the left wing. And then you're going to have the guy that just blasts holes in the back of the net in Kaliev. Three guys that you do the, do it different ways. You know, Turcotte's going to be the guy that's going to go, uh, Turcotte and Byfield are going to be the guys that both go into the dirty areas, use uh, their bodies in different ways to get the puck. You're going to have guys like both of them that are going to be willing to screen the goalie. I think Byfield and Turcotte are going to be the kind of like the, have the same roles, but in different ways on that first line, whatever that, you know, forward one, forward two needs. Kaliev is going to do what Kaliev does. He's going to find the open spots on the ice and let her rip. I mean, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised. Do you think we see that line as a line in the national one day? Could they be together uh, in, the, in the NHL? I think so. I, I wouldn't even be surprised. And I know, you know, they're hesitant about bringing all these guys up, but you look at, Outside of Byfield, which I expect him to play 75 or more percent of the season next year in, for the Kings. Yeah. All, all, both of the Turcotte and Kaliev's ELCs already started. So whether they play seven games, nine games, ten games, no games, whatever, we're paying them money anyways. So 
my thought process is, okay, if Byfield gets brought up, you're looking at hypothetical third C. Velarde maybe moves to wing on the second line. And like, why not bring up, if the line is killing it, like say that line is just roasting it in the AHL. Why not give them a cup of tea together? Right. I believe all three have waiver are waiver exempt. So like you could bring them up for three, four games if they're hot, you know, or maybe just a game or two, you know, depending on how the schedule matches up. Cause sometimes, you know, the AHL has that, like those gaps Yep. and, yep. and just, yeah, let them know because you know, for a fact, say Kings are at home. They have a little, they have a little time to spare. They bring up that line and to say, Hey, Oh, uh, Kings bring up both Turcotte, Byfield, and Kaliev or whatever for one game. You know, I don't, I mean, obviously with roster composition, you'd have to send some people down. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to work, but we're just going to play in fantasy land right now. They bring them up for one game. Byfield's playing the third. See, they're on that, the whole third line is there. That, that's, that, Saber Centers is packed. Exactly. It's sold out. Sold out that's instantly. And yeah, you, can, mean, you, you, so could expedite, you could expedite all three of those jerseys and put them in the team store, and they probably would sell out. Hey, if they had, if they can show and get back together and show what they showed toward the end of the year last year in Ontario, it's, hey, I don't see it as a, as a it, it may end up taking a bit. Like, I can definitely see Byfield is going to come up, play third seed. Calia will come up and play first line. Turcotte could come up at some point. So they could be mix and match for a bit, but it wouldn't be that far-fetched at some point in the not-so-distant future to see them together as a line in the NHL, and that'd be a blast. You know, and, you know, if we're talking about down the road, down the road, you know, we're talking about the fading uh, of potentially Kopitar going down the line. Mm -hmm. The same is going to be with Victor Arvidsson. Sure. Right? I mean, he's getting older, and he's only got a couple years left on his deal. He's going to help our team more in the future, and maybe depending on how he scores or whatever – he might be moved down, but eventually Byfield is going to be the one C we, you know, we assume based on his draft stock and he ain't moving a wing for nobody. That could be a first line for us three years down the road. Yeah. I'm no question about it. And that's, again, that's, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about is, is, is seeing how, how many of these guys can hit, who's going to do it. And who knows, maybe there's a line combination, but remember a few years back, Velarde and uh, Martin Furk had this great connection in Ontario and it not that they played that much together I don't think in the NHL but it hasn't quite translated so as excited as we want to be maybe we should temper a bit that well, uh, I disagree I think it I think it worked well in the NHL Furk just couldn't get on the ice last year that's fair yeah he's bad you're right he's bad a lot of injury yeah so I I just think their skill sets match up really well I think that both Turcotte and Byfield are 200 foot players and can mask the defense uh, defensive deficiencies of Kaliev. And they both are not af- uh, afraid to forecheck and backcheck, you know, Turcotte and like they have a lot of wheels. And so I, I think that would be an excellent. And, you know, to be honest, if Kaliev is putting up 35 plus goals a year, nobody's going to care about his defensive ability. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. So that goes on to the second line. And I think we're going to be, unanimous here but you let me know what you think i think the line that we mentioned earlier kupari tying in and fagamo yeah that's 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 definitely my second line and you know if we're doing if we're playing the game where and that's uh, it hinges on byfield right i think that hinges on byfield being in the american hockey league because if he's up 
Well, now you got maybe Kupari's first line center. Maybe Turcott slides back to center and things get shifted around. But I think if Byfield starts and we're going under the assumption of Byfield, Turcott, Kaliev, um, yeah, I think that's that's a second line. Um, and I know we we just talked about that. So I'd be curious, um, I'd be curious what you're looking at for as we start to the bottom six in your third line. Yeah, so I think um, having Sutter you know, I think a lot of the, we gave up a lot of goals defensively and he was playing fourth line. And I know the minutes get shuffled around depending on what's going on. Um, but I think having him as the third line center, having that middle six short up, having given him a little bit more minutes to start to help with the defensive responsibilities. I think that could be good. And having, um, and, and I don't know if anybody knows this, but Akil Thomas is not going to start the season. on yeah, the rain. He's, yeah. he's injured. So he's not going to be in the perspective starting lineup for me. So on the right side, I think you have Tyler Madden um, on that wing. And then on the left side, you are going to have Johnson. So he was brought over last year. He's got some scoring ability. He's a left shot. Um, so, you know, you're going to have a little bit of offensive ability there. Sutter is a two-way guy. You're going to short the middle six with veterans and allow them to not be such a liability defensively and allow Madden to utilize his playmaking ability and probably be the driver of that line when, when it comes to offensive ability. And then when Akil Thomas gets back, I assume Madden, since he's played both wings, will move to left wing and Akil will play right wing. So I... Uh, or Akil I mean, will play center and they'll move Sutter to fourth line. Yes, and that's... And that, that's and, and I'm sorry, I don't know when, when he's projected back, but it, it's going to be a little bit, I think. I believe anywhere between uh, late October to early December, depending yeah. on rehab. So I, I I also have Madden and Johnson together, but I actually have Madden in the middle, and I got I've got Burke, the newcomer, Braden Burke, um, playing on the wing with Johnson and Burke. So this is we talked about before with Boko Mama and Holson getting a new opportunity or a different opportunity. I think the same can be said for Burke. He's a talented player. He was a point producer uh, in his junior career, and it hasn't hasn't quite yet translated to the American Hockey League, but I don't know that it can't. Um, so I, I think he's going to get a shot. I think I can see him as a third line winger uh, for Ontario. So um, I, I'm interested to see how that shakes out and where they go with Madden. Cause he's another one of those guys kind of floating between, you know, is he a winger? Is he going to be a center? Um, and I think I can see him playing the middle right now. Uh, with Burke and Johnson. Yeah. Although well, Burke's I, a center too. So he, he could certainly see some, some time in the middle. Yeah. I just, I just think you look at with what the Kings have obviously shown that their ideal centers look like and the size, I just don't think Madden translates to their vision on the next level. Not that he couldn't play or has, he hasn't played at yeah. a high level in the, yeah. in the leagues that he's been in. But like you said, he's going to be the kind of guy that's going to have to do the uh, Trevor Moore route, right? So Trevor Moore, highly offensive in the, in yep. his younger days, but he's going to have to, Madden's going to have to utilize his, you know, his dad's energy and become a defensive juggernaut. And if you've looked at what um, his father has said, he's like, yeah, I had to learn how to play defense. Like, did you want to win? Did you want to ice time or did you not? So he like, he worked on his face-offs. He worked on uh, his defensive ability and cracked the lineup. And I think Madden might have to do the same thing. Now, could Madden be that guy on the third, fourth line that plays center that gives you offensive, supreme offensive upside, just, you know, 
and he just learns to cope with his size. Sure. I could see that right. for sure. You know, yeah. like he, he's, you know, he could be Blake Lazat with way more offense. Like I could see that, like, you know, not necessarily the same playing style or, you know, but he's the, the type of creativity where I think he might get a crack is learning how to play wing on both the right and left side and being a guy that they can, uh, that he can utilize his creativity along the boards, his speed to, to show uh, some sort of scoring in the middle six. And I think that's a really good point. You just made, he's a guy that, that if he can, whatever tools he can add to his shed. And if that means he has to play left wing, he'll play it. If you play right wing, he'll play it. He's got experience down the middle. So he, and he's a guy I think is, it can be versatile enough to, to do that and literally play every position. And when you can do that, you can get spotted, you know, guys get hurt guys, you know, in middle of a game, go down so they need to spot somebody up in the top six and if you can find yourself playing multiple positions like that you know it opens it opens things up for you yeah I think he pretty much plays the entire year in the A uh, he might get a cup of coffee here and there because he is over 20 so they don't have to worry about the games again yeah um, so you know that might be something that um, that he might get a cup of coffee here and there if if we get the injury bug or they just want to kind of reward him for his play uh, but I think with him getting the the broken bone and uh, that with that massive hit, and then he didn't get to play a full season in college e- either. Like I think a full season in the AHL to let his skills develop, uh, put on some size, you know, in the weight room and everything like that. Like I think that would probably be the better development uh, for him. But you never know. Like I don't know how they're going to reward people. I don't know if you know who's going to get claimed off of waivers. Are they going to package? You know, if package guys like if Muvari shows the season that he did, like, are they going to package Mata and maybe one of our prospects for a different guy or a higher draft right. pick? Or, you know, like, we don't know. No. Like, with the amount of log jams that we have, the yeah. trades are endless. The trades, for whatever reason, could be endless. And so I just think it's going to be an interesting season. I just, with him not playing a lot of games, the A is probably where he's going to be at for most of the year. Yeah. And, you know, I can throw this and, and so maybe a little bit of a, a shameless plug. I just had a piece come out about a, a, my case for Blake Lozada's fourth line center in Los Angeles. So uh, and part be, part of that leads to Jared Anderson Dolan being sent down to start the season, which I think nobody or not a lot of people would really expect. Um, not saying it's going to happen, but just hypothetical in my scenario. So if that would throw a wrench in my third line of Madden, Johnson, and Burke because I would see I would see John sliding in there somewhere. Yeah. So you're talking uh, about in terms of guys getting to potentially could get sent down. There's a lot of different options. That's one that that um, that perhaps could happen. So well, this would be the hypothetical fans, uh, you know, listening here. So obviously, John, I think, has earned his spot. Like his play shows that he's an NHL player. I'm of the ilk that it should be best players available should play in those situations. And I think he's better than Lazat, but go to hockeyroyalty.com, read Joe's piece and see why he, he shows that Lazat has a legitimate chance of taking that spot. The reason that that might happen is he is waiver exempt. You yep. have a lot of players who aren't. So if there are similar, if they have similar camps, and either it's a toss up or, or whatever, the Kings don't have to risk Jad. They have to risk Lazat. They have to risk Clegg. They have to risk Wagner. 
and all these guys. And some fans might say, Hey, I don't care. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. That's your opinion. That's why we're debating. But so far, Blake has shown that he's been a cautious GM when it comes to the development of these prospects. I would say Jad is pretty much there. He is an NHL player, but for the sake of it, you could be right. You could be right. The fact that, okay, we're going to keep Byfield and, and Jad down on the, on the level because of their contract status. We're not going to expose players unwillingly and we're going to give guys like Lemieux and, and Lazat chances to show that they can be fourth liners. That's the debate here. Yeah. And, and in fairness, I, I, you know, I would say I would have Lee Anderson as my fourth line winger for, if we're going into Los Angeles for a quick second with Lazat, I, I, Lemieux a guy, I know he brings this different element that really nobody else on the Kings has. I, I don't know. I'm, I got no problem if, if, if he's a guy that gets, that gets waived. I just don't know where the fit is when you've got other talented players knocking at the door, you know, trying to find some nice time. Lemieux, it just hasn't happened. It just, it didn't happen in New York. It didn't happen in Winnipeg. It's not happening here. I don't, I, I, I don't think he's long for the Kings if I'm, if I'm guessing. So, yeah. but yeah, to your point, Hey, there's, there's a lot can happen. And, and John, and it's not, you know, and I, and I mentioned in my piece, it, it's, it's not to say that John doesn't have a spot uh, in this, in the, in the team, in the organization, he's still only 21 years old and he is still a, a solid NHL prospect. Um, I, in part, because he's, you know, he's waiver exempt that, that, you know, it may not hurt a bit more seasoning uh, in the American Hockey League, and I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. So, if he did come back down and Byfield was still on the team, I would have Jad second line just to keep his minutes up. Because if you're dropping him it. down and he's not getting minutes, like you're not really. I know you're trying to win games, and they brought in Tynan for a reason, but I think you need to give Jad at least 20 minutes a night if he's going to sit down. I can buy him. that. Yeah, I can see that. So. You know, I also can see a hypothetical that Lazat and Jad both fall out and they already envision Velarde as a wing and maybe they have, you know, until Byfield's ready, they have Jad playing third line. Right, right. So um, fourth line, I have Burke, Dudas, and Nikita Pavlicev. So that's where I have, and I love the uh, Pavlicev, by the way. I've got him, like, I'm hoping. I'm not sure that it's going to happen but I do have Sutter on the fourth line with Dudas um, and Pavlicev I don't know that it's going to work but I'm I'll be honest that's the fan in me wanting Pavlicev to have a good camp and make their opening that roster in Ontario okay so here's my here's my case right so let's go to the judge here judge Joe over here I'm gonna give you my case sure and, and see what's going on so Dudas is a guy, a scrappy guy, very much has some offensive upside Two, you know, 200 foot player, small, scrappy. Great. I have Burke playing there. He needs some, you know, a guy that can help out on, uh, not saying that he's defensive deficient, but, you know, Nikita is a guy who is the baby draft. Like he is the uh, king of the so-called Serengeti of LA and uh, he's going to be on skates. He's going to be 6'10". So Having that size, he is very good defensively from what I've read. So I want the part of Corsi 4 
that is so important is you have to be able to, to handle your own zone first before you start pushing people the other way. And he's the guy that's not only going to have size. So we lost a mama, the guy that stands up for his teammates. He's going to have size for that. He's going to, I don't know if he's a fighter, probably not, but probably not many people could reach him with their fist. He's a physical player though. He's a physical player though. Yeah. Probably not many people could reach him with their fist. (laughs) Right. So, so the re, you know, I think that it adds a different dynamic to the team. It adds a player who is able to give something a little bit different. And when, when you're making a whole dish, when you're making something to eat, you need that little spice that sends it off. And he could be that on the bottom six where he's that, he's that guy that gives that physical presence. And I would love to see it. Like I said, he's, he's a guy, I can't, I kind of have him and Kemp as like 12, 13 in terms of the forwards to see who cracks it. But I have Kemp uh, and Doty 12. Okay. Yeah. And Doty's another one. Doty's another one. That's got a, a legit shot to crack. We talk about a log jams all over the place with, with, in this organization. Yeah. And I, I think Nikita has played for Penn state, you know, he's played against college guys. You know, I think that you could see it. Uh, and he's played in North America for a while too. He's with Des Moines uh, also. So he, it's, it's not as if he's, he's just coming over from, from Russia and isn't, you know, in tune with the North American lifestyle, North American game. He's been here a while. Yeah. So, you know, what we're talking about when you're, when you're getting guys cycling in and for the Kings and for the rain, Everybody wants to have that starting lineup and that's the same lineup that rolls out every night. But in reality, it's not true. In reality, you have injuries. You also have different opponents. So like I could see Lemieux getting starting time if he makes the roster against, against teams that have a guy that's more of an instigator, a fighter. And, and you have that guy in your team to counteract that, you know? And so the same could be said for, for the AHL, Nikita gives that size, that big, that strength. If we're playing a team that is more up and down, more fast, maybe you see a guy like Kemp get a shot. Maybe you see yep. a guy like Doty get some uh, uh, minutes. And in the AHL, yeah, they want to win because last year was, um, you know, not the greatest. And they think that they're going to do better this year. And they've made moves to make themselves better. So, you know, maybe, you know, that's a 30-30-30 split for the winger. And they kind of just rotate those guys in. And and. and- it's we're going to learn a lot in the next you know month or so here when it comes to with with camps uh opening up and maybe we see some surprises who knows you know they they, you know uh was a late kind of signee um and so was Kemp really too so you know I don't know if there's high expectations for them to even crack the Ontario roster but who knows you know they're in they're going to be at camp so we'll see what happens yeah. And so, you know, and then there's also a thing that I really like is that they have the e- ECHL affiliate. So, uh, you know, my favorite team name, like we mentioned last, yes. the Swamp the Swamp Rabbits can take some of these guys if we're getting too jam-packed. And what we don't want on the AHL uh, is, you know, what we saw last year is having like three defensemen sit or like, you know, that's not going to get them better. That's not going to get them playing time. That's not going to get our, you know, the that kind of stuff. And so if we have to send a couple to the ECHL, you know, if everybody stays healthy, then so be it. So yeah, moving totally. on, yeah, moving on to the D pairs, uh, you know, this is going to be a little interesting because we have a couple guys like Clegg that can play right and left. Uh, Spence has been known to play right or left uh, on, you know, when he's been asked because of his skating. Uh, I'm sure Grons could probably play right or left. He's been playing mainly on the right side. We have guys that have NHL experience, uh, guys that don't, different styles. So uh, what do you, what do you, what do you see there? I mean, for- this is, this is a fascinating um, group of players and 
So part of this is is um, predicated on because Movari just signed, right? He had other options. He had other offers in Europe. He did not have to come and sign here. And there was question about whether he was going to. And he took less money so, to, stay, to stay. So is there a some sort of assurance that he may crack the big club? Because again, he is not waiver exempt. They're going to have to put him through. Does he come here with bigger money offers over in Europe where you know he's going to play to not play in Los Angeles? This is me reading between the lines and just guessing here. Kind of think he's going to be on the big club. That's what um, fans do. That's what fans and, and right. people do. They read between the lines. So that's what I'm doing. And so my my kind of, my D is predicated on that, which may come as a surprise to a lot of people. But again, that's, I'm just kind of, like I said, reading the tea leaves a bit to try to see, you know, would he have come over here otherwise? Because um, I believe a similar situation happened back in the day with Slav Voinov, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, so I actually, and we talked about this a bit on the last uh, the last pod, um, my, my, I have Bjorn Fort and, and Dursey together in Ontario, and I have Wolanin together with Strand, and I have Phillips and Spence together. Um, and I know, like you said, there's a lot of guys that can kind of play multiple, multiple sides, but, and I think Grounds is going to work his way in. Um, I have other opinions, um, but for now, that's where that's kind of the, the six or seven D grouping that I got, which again, may be a little surprising to some. Yeah. So I, uh, I would disagree with you. I just don't think sending Bjornfoot down after he's played a full season would do any, him any benefit. Um, I think they are already fine. They've already shown that they're fine to pay Mata. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you send him through waivers or wait for a team to get an injury on the left-hand side and you trade him. I think that would be the the more prevalent and then have Muvari or Clay, whoever plays better in camp, play the the seventh the seventh uh, defenseman for the Kings. So I'm gonna throw one throw this out there. Bjorn Fort doesn't he can go down. He doesn't have to clear waivers. That's one. Two, and I know I don't want to get too hung up on this because the sample size is small, but that looking at that pair, that second pair in Los Angeles, um with Matt Roy again heavily stressed small sample size here um Bjorn Fortenroy was uh, a 46 percent Corsi four percentage together Clegg and Roy was over 57 percent again I'm going to stress it again sample size is small but Bjorn Fort's start so far in the NHL has been very underwhelming and so I'm partially putting, again, I'm just, when I'm putting this puzzles together, it's Bjornfort doesn't have to clear waivers. Movari, if I'm reading tea leaves, thinking he's going to come over to North America, maybe he plays in the NHL, he has some sort of, not assurance, but like you got a legitimate shot to make the big club. So that leaves Clegg making the NHL too. So and, and if you'll notice, that means I firm. I mean, I said it last time. I think Mata's going to end up getting waived. But so that's my why I have Bjornford again. I want to like Bjornford. I still am a Bjornford guy, and I think there's still a player there. But 
if, and this is what I said in the article with regards to Lazat, if you're a, the Kings are a team that is using the P word, that being playoffs, if you're going to use that word, you better make sure that you're putting and analyzing every single position from fourth line center all the way through and putting your best team on the ice. And yes, I agree with you that Bjorn for, you know, what is, does he have any more development in the AHL? I don't know, but you know what? It hasn't shown in the NHL yet. So maybe it's an opportunity to send him down because he can go down and not get claimed and let a claim and or Movari get a look and see and perhaps could perform a little bit better than Bjorn Ford. So I know, again, I know it's, I don't know. I'm not saying it's likely. It's just a scenario I'm throwing out there. Yeah, it's an interesting scenario. And that would be the same thing with the, the Jad um, analogy or scenario that you threw out before. I guess it's not really an analogy, just a scenario that you threw out before with going the lineup to start the season based on the contract eligibility. And then therefore you would have, you would have Mervari and Clegg alternating for the second line left, having Alex on the third and having Mikey Anderson. And then you're getting a little, a uh, little offense to the second pairing where Roy is primarily a defensive guy. And then nobody has to go through waivers and you kind of just go that route. Yeah, the, the, the one guy that I have going through waivers is Mata. And I think on the forward side, I wouldn't be surprised if they waive Lemieux. But still, like, the, so there's a couple of guys, but they're not guys that are in there. I, I'm, you've mentioned before with Blake kind of being very, very pragmatic and very kind of cautious with his ways. And he did expose Clay. Did you said that last time? Like how, you know, hey, like he was there for the taking for Seattle and he didn't get picked. So maybe we're really overthinking this. Or I'm really overthinking this, but as somebody that he's probably still trying to tiptoe around, not looking to just get rid of somebody from his future or they see as their future for free. I can see a couple of scenarios where maybe something like this happens. Yeah. You know, it's, there's a lot of what ifs and there's a lot of things going on. And like we said, 20% of first rounders play over 200 games and Clegg's a second round player. So that it drops to, from there yep. and you know, has Clay got a fair shake? Can he hack it? You, we could debate that all day. And that's what you Kings fans should be doing. You guys should be having nice friendly debates on it. Let us know what you think. We're going to be posting this on Twitter. Let us know what you think in the comments, um, you know, about maybe what you guys think with the starting lineup. So I have, I'm just going based off of who was playing in the AHL. So I have Jersey and Uvare. Yep. I have Strand and Clegg, and then I have Grands and Will Lannan, Um, And then I have Phillips and Spence be the fourth pair. Sure. So, yeah, and I, I think I can see that. I, I can definitely see that if, if, you know, again, if my scenario doesn't play out that way, that's exactly what I, I have kind of both jotted down. That's exactly what I have. It, it's, it's very similar. Now, rumor, rumors are that Grands is going to be over in uh, North America this year. So that's why I have him on there, but it's still not, you know, he could sign a yep. deal with uh, a Swedish club if they don't think that he's going to make it. So like he's going to have camp to prove his, his worth. Um, so I, that's kind of where I have. And I like the, my pairings a little bit because you have Jersey offensive with Mavari defensive. You have Strand who's defensive with Clay who's offensive. And then Will Lannan is uh, kind of has offensive upside, but it's mainly defensive defenseman mm -hmm. with Grants who's offensive. So like you kind of have that, well balanced. Uh, that, that balance. And then I like the fact that you have Clegg, Jersey, and Grants to compete for power play one and two point. So you have more than just two options where you're buried into having those options. 
and I think that kind of gives us a, uh, a nice little balance there. And then in the pipes, um, I think like we mentioned before, Volalta is going to get first crack at yep. the prospect who will be on that team. And then you're going to see Sparks play 50% of the games uh, or so, maybe a little less because they want to get the prospect as many starts as possible. Um, I have as, I don't, we haven't really write this question down, but the dark horse to beat Volalta out, I have as Jacob Ingham. I can see that. Uh, and it's, it's, listen, and I'm not going to pretend to be a goaltending, you know, expert. Uh, I guess not that I'm an expert on any of the other positions either, but uh, I, it's so hard to say. It's just such a tough position. It is such a tough position for me to gauge is to see the development. Um, I, it's, it's, it's difficult. So I, I listen, that wouldn't surprise me the slightest. It, it wouldn't just because of, you never know. Sometimes these goalies, there's something clicks or, or something with their positioning perhaps, or they change their style with their goalie coach um, just ever so slightly. Uh, it could be as simple as like a glove position sometimes and it just unlocks something and they become more comfortable. Yeah. I, I, I think, um, you know, you have the Jacobs a little bit bigger, um, you know, he doesn't have to rely on as much as his, for his athleticism to, to, to do that. He can take up more spots in the net, you know, maybe that gives him an advantage to develop quicker. It's, you know, like the super athletic goalies have to, are guys that have to stay away from injury more because they're using more of their athleticism, their burst all the time. They have to be, take off the angles more dramatically. As we know with quick, he does that. And so, you know, based on my limited knowledge, like you're, you get the advantage of being a bigger goalie by taking up more of the the space naturally with your body and it'll allow your talent to catch up, you know? And so we could see that there. And, you know, I would love to have a goalie coach on and come here and talk about all the prospects, you know, and kind of drop some knowledge there. But from what I've read, like, that's kind of how I kind of see it. And we see John Lethemann play pretty much with the Swamp Rabbits. And then I have Lucas <laughs> yep. Parikh. And interesting thing about Lucas Parikh is that uh, they signed him to a minor league deal only. So they didn't take up one of the 50 roster mm-hmm. spots with him. Yep. They just signed him to a minor league deal. So a little bit of dark dealing there with the, the front office to get him some playing time in North America. See, he reading tea leaves too. Yeah. So, um, and why, you know, I'll give my little thing why I think Grands is coming over. If he's coming over where he could play first line minutes in the SHL, if he's coming over here to get used to the smaller ice, I think he gets playing time. Yeah. I, and that, again, it's sort of not the same thing, but similar to my Moverari, but he's coming over here. He's coming over here to play. Um, that's kind of my, my take to it. So I'm, I'm with you. I see, I see kind of, I see Will Landon in kind of the light as he can play third line in the NHL if they need him because of injury, but you yep. want to get the AHL guys as much time on ice as possible. And I wouldn't even be surprised if they put Granz and Spence on the same line, on the same line, even though they're both righties, uh, just because they're both dynamic skaters. Yeah. And that's, that would be fun to watch. So uh, those are a lot of guys that I, I think we've covered there and the monkey wrench and I'm sure the guys that are talking about the Kings is who's getting cut. Mm-hmm. It, are there going to be any trades? Uh, are there going to be any of this kind of stuff with the big club? Are they going to bring Byfield up? Are they going to keep Jad up? You know, are they hoping all these waiver guys and you know, with, with all of us fans, 
we all thought Clay was going to get taken and some guy, other yeah. guy got taken. True. You True. know, so we th- will all these guys pass through waivers. You know, they could all pass through waivers. Who so knows? really quick, kind of to that point. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. So offhand here, and I don't know if you have it in front of you. I don't, so I apologize. But if we have, you've got Clegg, you've got Movarare, mm-hmm. you've got the likes of, um, I believe, Lazat, Wagner, Lemieux, all guys potentially that Martin could be Ferk. waived. Ferk, that could be waived, that have to clear. That's six guys. I mean, so I think there's only if you look at the big club, there's only four spots available. So two, two wing spots and the extra forward spots out of six. So two guys for sure. If they bring up, and that's before the prospects are introduced. So if right, Byfield beats somebody out, you're having more right, fall. Right. Um, you know, and so it's just going to be there's going to be a lot of guys fighting for contracts, and I, I don't think it's a bad thing because we have. No so many prospects that are still that haven't even graced the AHL yet uh, that if we lost some guy to waivers, I don't, I don't think it would be a huge loss um, o- overall in the grand scheme, maybe making the playoffs this year because you lose a guy to waivers, you get a couple of injuries, then you, maybe you're running thin in that regard. But those are a lot of what ifs that go down. There's and certain I- guys I'm very comfortable. And again, maybe this is the, yeah, maybe this is very unrealistic because it's too G it's too video game GM or fantasy GM. When you look at guys like Lemieux and Olimata that I don't know that what they really bring to the table in the immediate, and they're certainly not a part of the future. So uh, to me, that seems like an easy decision, but again, this isn't a video game and it's not fantasy sports. So it's not always an easy decision. These are actual human beings. So, um, yeah. It's it's but those are a couple of guys where I don't see the fit today, let alone the future. Yeah, I just uh, you know I mentioned it last time, and I'm always the type of guy, like you said, if we're going for playoffs this year, which it's wide open in the Pacific for us to make the playoffs. At a camp, whoever the best players are, regardless of contract, need to be on that team. I don't care if we have to put four guys through waivers and we risk losing all four. Mm-hmm. With salary cap and most teams are up against it, most teams aren't going to be claiming guys. Very so, you know, they might be if you if the, you know teams that have a lot of cap space like Detroit. You know, I could see Detroit maybe getting like an Austin Wagner and Lazat to play fourth line and you know for a year. Like, yeah, why not? You know, I could see guys like that. But for the most part, teams are up against it. They're not going to want to take on unnecessary guys unless they know they're going to play in their on their team, right? So you can't claim a guy and then put him down in your AHL, you'd have to send him through waivers again. So like, you'd have to know there's a spot on there. And yep. most of those guys that we're talking about, like Clegg and Rivare, like don't have enough on tape in the NHL level for most teams to take that gamble to know for sure that they're going to make that roster. That's fair. Where I think guys that are more likely to get claimed would be Wagner or Lazat or Lemieux, guys that have NHL tape that you know that you could use those guys in the, in the, for a specific role, you, you know, those guys could fill a specific role, whatever that may be. Yeah. I mean, we have two speedsters in Athens, CU and and Wagner, you know, Mm -hmm. so like, why do we need both? You know, I I could see a team, they could send down Wagner and they could, the team could pick them up, you know? And as we mentioned, you have half our contracts are going to be up for UFA or RFA next year, half of the 50. 
So the team could look again, completely different next year. And it won't matter if we lose a couple of people here and there because yep. it, it really won't be there. And then we have so many prospects and so many picks, you know, if we have to trade a seventh or, or whatever, a sixth for a guy, a depth guy, because of injury, because we got a couple guys claimed off of waivers. So be it. If we have to bring up guys who are waiver exempt, like Kupari, Turcotte and Kaliev and have them push from the back. So be it. I just think that it needs to be the best guys available. And yep. if you're, if you're not doing that, if you're not rewarding players for being ready, then, then what are we doing here? Like if playoffs really the goal, like that should be the goal. Like, and you know, if Byfield is the three C and he's good enough to be the three C, then he needs to be there. He's the second overall pick for a reason. There's he's no the question one. about that. Especially a guy like that specifically, he's on a level where, yeah, if he, if he shows in camp, he's, he's playing and you, who cares about the rest, you figure the rest of later. Right. Yeah. Because the con like, you know, and this is completely maybe a topic for another time, but you know, let's bring it up now. Cause you're looking at guys like, okay, we may, well, he could slide a little bit, or maybe we should, you know, like that was the whole debate last year. It's like these guys like Kale McCarr, like after their ELCs, they're like, Hey, I'm nor- almost in the Norris conversation. The last two years, I deserve 9 million. And you got it. Right. And yep. I look at it, I look at it like, okay, if Byfield comes up this year and we start burning this first year, and we'll say that hypothetical McCarr style trajectory, that means he's weighing the Calder. That means he's scoring over 60, 70 points within two years. And he's a legitimate player on our team. He's helping it. Then he's going to be yep. worth the money that we're going to have to pay it. him. Yep. Yep. I would, I'm, I'd I'm, rather, I'm, I'd rather have that than have him be, uh, uh, Oh, look, Oh, let's push the money back. Let's push the money back. Who cares? Like if you're getting yeah, production, no. Pay the guy. I'm with you there. Yeah, completely agree there. There's the the whole, and you see that in baseball all the time with you know saving a year and service time, all that crap. That if he's there, if he's ready, you play him. Especially second overall, you play him. I think I think the the picks that or the players that I think are are uh, worthy of that designation, the three prospects that are worthy of that designation in my mind are Byfield, Kaliev, and Card. Kapari and Kaliev and Byfield all got NHL time last year for a reason. Mm-hmm. Granted, Kaliev was one game, but Kaliev brings a asset to our power play that we do yep. not have. Yep. Kupari had earned it last year in the AHL with his consistent play. If he's good enough to play the three C wing or the third line wing, great. Like let's let's get these guys up there and should all three be up there? Probably not, because then we don't like we're sending down six talking. guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but. Yeah. But by the end of the season, yeah, if they're ready to go, like I, you know, as much as I'd like to see the rain win the Calder Cup, and that's what we're going to be covering because it'd be exciting for us to to do yep. that. The big club needs to be starting putting pucks in the net. The big club the needs to be league. winning, the right? League. Yep. And so that's what I would like to see, you know. And and so those are the three guys. And you know, oh, what about Turcotte? I think Turcotte falls in a similar boat to to Madden. And and that he has injury history in Wisconsin and last year and coming into the world juniors and really hasn't got a consistent footing underneath him. So I think he should start in the AHL out of camp just to kind of get some, get get consistent feet. And will he make the club by the end of the year? I sure hope so. Being the fifth overall pick, I sure hope he gets some time at least, you know, and you know, that's going to be something that we are, we're going to see. It's going to be very interesting I think fans like me are a little impatient. Um, you know, two years ago, there was only 20 guys under, under under the age of the 20 in the NHL. 
most of them were first overall, second overall picks. So, or, you know, in the top five. So yeah, like Turcotte's a top five pick, but he hasn't had consistent playing trajectory. Velarde was a top, you know, 15 pick, hasn't had a consistent playing trajectory. So like, you know, what's to say is now we have a normal off season. Like, where does that fit these guys? You know, because you have guys like Mikey Anderson who got an opportunity to play in the world championship for Team USA. And he said, no, my body needs to grow. I'm going to spend time working out. Like, what are we doing in these off se- uh, this offseason? The rookie tournament's going to show that. Dev camp's going to show that. And we're going to see how, you know, these guys are going to progress. And you're going to put the best team on the ice. I don't think all three will make it out of camp. I think maybe you see a, a line of Byfield, Kupari, and maybe Brown or Byfield, Kupari, and maybe a, a guy who's still in the prospect development but is an older guy and Leah Sanderson. Maybe that kind of line drives it over there. You see something of that nature. Uh, or you put Kupari on the right side wing and have Athens see you on the left and have a veteran there. I mean, I think I think if, if Byfield's up, I got to presume that means Velarde's going to play his wing. Yeah. So, and uh, have him playing second line right wing with Deneau, um, and you know, you, whoever you have on the left, whether it be Kempe or I follow, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have guy. And then maybe that allow, that allow Velarde to shoot more because Deneau said that he's loves the assist. Like he's one yep. of the premier guys, yep. with the primary assist and Velarde has got a good heavy shot. He shows it on the power play, um, you know, on that right side where he walks it up and tries to snipe that corner. Maybe it'll allow him to get some confidence and put the pucks in the net. And you won't have to worry about the defensive responsibilities or being in the dot or all that kind of stuff. Hey, it's going to be a big, big, big three to five weeks here. Or so coming up in Los Angeles, that's for sure. Yeah. So all your rain fans and King fans, we're going to have obviously tons of articles. We're pumping out articles every single day. They're good, quick reads, get you some Kings content. Um, Joe and I are going to be doing podcasts probably once a week. Some of the, some of them might be kind of, uh, a little bit uh, shorter coming up because we're not really don't have much content until the the camps kick off. And we're going to then see and give you analysis of what we see of the guys that could potentially be on the rain in camp. And then when the season rolls along, buckle up because we're going to be tossing money everywhere <laughs> on making it rain. So that's going to be some, uh, some fun stuff. So let's kind of throw it out at hockey underscore royalty, where you can find us on Twitter. All the podcast stuff is at royalty underscore pod. All the articles at, at hockeyroyalty.com. You can find Joe at JW Patrino. That's P-A-T-A-R-I-N-O on Twitter and his articles in there. So we've got a lot of the content coming out from the Bay Club, a lot of content coming out from the rain. And what we want to hear from you guys, right? So we're just starting this yes. pod out. We want to hear from the fans. So we're going to post when we are recording the episode. Any uh, questions that you guys might have, hit us up. We want to start meeting our fans, having conversations online. And, and trying to get the hype for the rain going because regardless of where the prospects feather up and down, I expect a better season next year. Would you agree? I would at least expect a better start. Yeah, I don't, hope think for that. You, I don't think you can get much worse of a start. <laughs> I think you would have to duct tape their skates together to have a worse start than last year. So definitely want to do that again. HockeyRoyalty.com, at Hockey underscore Royalty, at Royalty underscore Pod. I'm at Rando Commando 24 and he's at J-W-P-A-T-A-R-I-E-N-O on Twitter. Hit us up. Let's have some conversations. Give us some questions. We want to interact with you guys. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure talking today. All the hypotheticals get my brain turning, man. Love it. It's a blast. Isn't it always fun, Rando? Appreciate it.
So enjoy the move. I hope you didn't try to, you know, hype some guy into with pizza and beer. You're too old for that. And got yes, a moving company. We have movers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so enjoy that. Let me know how the move goes. We're going to hear all about it next week for a little brief stuff. Uh, and then, Hey, you guys want some fun, go out to Arizona in September and see a couple games of the rookie camp and then see some of these prospects. It's been a pleasure, Joe, and you have a good night, my man. Always. Have a good one, Randall. All right, catch you. See you.